Welcome to the Freight Broker Bootcamp audio experience, and I'm your host, Dennis Brown. I have a guest today, and that gentleman is a past student of Freight Broker Bootcamp. He's a solo broker, and he's doing $2 million plus in sales as a broker during what everybody is deeming as this major freight recession. And the sky is falling, and the world is going to end, and everybody's going to go out of business. That's all I hear from the media. But yet, this guy's doing over $2, or $2 million a year in sales. And um, so we're here to find out how and why and what's going on. And so I'm going to introduce him in just a minute. This is my guest. This is my friend, Andy Barr. He is the owner of Bar Transportation. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you for uh, for coming on and kind of sharing the journey a little bit. We want to try to pick your brain a little bit today, talk about your journey. So why don't we start out with this? Where are you based out of? Yeah, North based Carolina, Charlotte, right? Charlotte, North Carolina. Love it. Lifelong resident? Uh, no, originally from Dayton, Ohio. So Dayton. lifelong Ohio State fan. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I'm sure you'll get some comments on that one way or the other. All right, cool. So tell me this. How did you start your brokerage? When did that, how did that journey happen? Give us the short version of that and then we'll we'll uh, move forward. Yeah. So uh, before I started my brokerage, I worked for a broker for four years in Chicago. It's a three letter broker and there's only so many of those. So I'm sure you can probably guess which one of those. Uh, and then non-compete two years. So left the business. And then I didn't know I was going to jump back in, but I did. I was working for a cleaning company doing sales in Charlotte. And I was like, you know, I really love to start a business, variety of ventures, but they always say, start with what you know. So, you know, experience in the industry, some contacts, and I was like, what? let's go back to transportation. And I started that. So while I was working for the cleaning company, did both. And then six months in, the owner of the cleaning company was like, Andy, you're, I love you, but you're distracted. You, it's time to go. So, you know, it was a gentle push, but the push I needed. Love it. So that three-letter brokerage, I guess, uh, I guess you guys can all take your guesses there, but here's what it wasn't. It wasn't LDI, my old company, and we'll, so we'll make it easy on you. So you started your brokerage in, what would you say? I think you said April of 19? Correct. April of 19, yeah. All right. So talk to us about that first year. What did you do in sales from startup that first year, if you can share maybe gross and net? I mean, I know, you know, everybody has a different story there. Yeah. Uh, first year was like, you know, eight or nine months for the first year. And that was like, 800 grand sales. Um, Great. Yeah. So that was, and, and I, I had contacts, right, in the industry. So I called my, my old contacts back, but not everyone picked up the phone, obviously. That was on the shipper side. But mm -hmm. then also it's like, well, how about the carrier side? You know, no carrier wants to work with you when you have zero credit. Mm -hmm. So you, you did a lot of com checks and things of that nature, but you got through it and it, it is feasible, right? Obviously. So, you know, you got to do a 40, 50% down before you even, you know, or you're loading or something like that, you know, so you got to navigate those waters, but uh, you get through that year or two and, and then you have credit and carriers work with you. So it's just finding a way, right? Like Tony Robbins says, you don't lack resources, you lack resourcefulness. Yep, absolutely. hundred percent. All right. So that was 19. Talk to us about 20. So first year was a little slower than you maybe anticipated you know, yeah. you had to navigate the startup challenges that everybody goes through, but it sounds like you did it fairly profitably uh, in your first year of startup. Talk to us about 2020 and then maybe 2021 and then kind of give us the breakdown of that growth. Yeah. Yeah. 2020, uh, you know, that was like, I think when did COVID start? I think March or something of 2020 or yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, we, I do a lot of food. So thankfully I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, doing uh, building materials or something like that, you know, for right. apartment buildings. So yeah, I mean, I was protected. There are the big surges, but like anything, just prospect, pick up the phone. It was pretty much old school, just call, call, call. So what'd you, you know, do in revenue in 2020? 2020 I think it was ballpark. 1.5 or six I'll have to look back. Yeah. Five or 600? 1.5 million. Oh, 1.5. Okay. 1.5 million. Okay. And then what about 2021 roughly? 2021, 2.2. And then uh, 2022? 2.3. 2.3. Oh, look at that growth. Look at you. Still growing. And then this year, if you had to guesstimate where you think you'll fall this year, assuming no major fallout or windfalls, where do you think you'll be? Targets uh, three. That's the, that's the target. Yeah. So yeah. Well, somewhere between two and a half and three. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Love it. All right, great. So let's talk a little bit about your niche. You mentioned the food industry. So food and beverage, that's your niche? Yes. Was that your niche when you were at TQL and you just crossed it over? Or was that a new niche that you really kind of uh, yeah. investigated? Yeah, it was, it was my niche. And I just kind of stuck with what I knew. And, you know, currently we do about 90% reefer. Love it. Okay, great. So you took some experience that you had in your former life and the knowledge that you gained there and some of the contacts, and then you leveraged it to start your business, which... I mean, that's that's the ideal situation, right? Not everybody has that. When I started in 03, I had no experience as a broker. I had I didn't even know any shippers. I mean, I had no personal relationships with shippers and I didn't know any carriers. And fortunately, it worked out. But you were able to tap into that. And I think a lot of the people that are listening to this, whether you're a truck driver or a truck driver's spouse, or you worked as a shipping manager, or maybe you worked as a dispatcher, you probably got some contacts, right? That you can leverage to help launch the business. All right, so food and beverage. So you do a lot of reefer. So I, without disclosing customers or anything, are you doing a lot of produce? Are you doing more grocery? Are you doing a little bit of everything? I mean, within the food and beverage, because that's such a big niche, have you yeah. niched down even further or do you keep it a little more broad within that niche? Yeah. So we have uh, produce, we have frozen food, we have some customers that do chilled grocery food, Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of a mix. Yep. Yeah. And we like, yeah, seafood. Yeah. Gotcha. So in your customer base, you know, let's call it the 80, 20 rule, right? What are, who are the, I mean, how many customers are comprised? How many different customers are you moving freight for on, let's call it a weekly or monthly basis to generate that revenue? Is it sure. five, 10, 20? I mean, kind of what's the baseline of your book? It's generating that revenue. And I add, let me tell you why I'm asking that question. I'm asking that question because there's a huge misconception to new brokers thinking that they have to have hundreds of customers. They're like, oh my God, I got to have hundreds of customers. I got to, you know, I'm never going to be able to stop cold calling. I'm never going to be able to stop beating the phones. And I want you being a guy who's sitting in the driver's seat and who's been in it from a corporate perspective and now on his own to let them know that, you know, you can build a real business with a real freight brokerage business making significant income without hundreds of customers. So tell us a little bit about your story on that. Exactly. I would say I, I average between 12 and 15. 12 so and 15. 12 and 15 customers a month will, will make up all of the business. Yeah. And, and you're talking, you did $2.3 million in 2022 and you've only got, you're only going to have about 12 to 15 active customers in a month. Right. So yeah. mm-hmm. guys, think about that. 
think about that. The beginning of every business, I don't care if you're starting up a pizza shop or an insurance business or real estate or brokerage or whatever. Yes, it sucks when you have no customers and you're just getting started. There's lots of selling. There's lots of door knocking. There's lots of, you know, kicking in doors. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. But here's the good news. Because of the lifetime value and the recurring nature of a shipper, of a quality shipper, you know, you literally could build a customer base of 10 shippers and be making a multiple six-figure income. Now, you can never stop prospecting altogether because customers come and customers go. You might have a customer for six months. You might have a customer for six years. That depends upon you know the variables that, that uh, get thrown into the mix, whether that be your service, whether that be their business, whether that be the contact you're working with, all kinds of stuff. But the cool part is you do not need a huge customer base in order to build a very profitable and sustainable business. I mean, you want to chime in on that for a second, Andy? I mean, it is 1000% easier to get more business from your current customers than to land a new customer and get business. So obviously the first thing you want to do is you want to explore everything you know about that customer in all avenues, outbound, inbound, and then from there, spider web from there, suppliers, competitors, you know, where are they going, right? Receivers, you know, just spider web from there because it's a lot easier to say, hey, you know, we just delivered at 8 a.m. today. Thanks for uh, a fast unload, by the way, dot, 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 right? So, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. I mean, so you hit on the point of retention, right? It's easier to retain that customer than it is to go out and get a new one. I mean, that brings up an interesting point because I, um, and I want to just share this with the audience really quick. For those of you that are aware of my Freight Broker Sales Accelerator program, right? That's the five-week coaching program where I take that piece of my brain, I transplant it into your head. I help you with the whole process of Freight Broker Sales strategies, tactics, tools, the entire system, right? Most of you are familiar with that. Some of you have already went through the program. If you want to get on the wait list for that program, it's freightburgerbootcamp.com forward slash wait list. And I mention that right now because of the retention piece. We have an entire module, an entire program, an entire le- all these lessons that are dedicated specifically to retention and customer mm-hmm. development and retention. So there's a couple of components there that a lot of people don't understand, right? Unless mm-hmm. you've come from really good corporate training prior to that, where they were dealing with large customers and they understood the process of retaining them, the importance of retaining them and the steps of developing and retaining them. So that's a, that's a small part of the program, but yeah, if you guys are curious about the freight broker sales accelerator, you're looking for a coach, you're looking for someone to help you navigate that and set you up with an entire system, not just a couple of scripts, not just a couple of really here today, gone tomorrow strategies, a real system where you could start from nothing and start building a real pipeline and a real consistent flow of customers. That's what the freight broker sales accelerator is all about. So you guys can get on that wait list for that. Uh, Again, we put over 600, I think about 600 students through that program in the last year and a half or so. And um, the rating so far is the 9.2 out of 10, right? I can't, I can't make it much easier than that. So, so yeah, so that's, that's my infomercial. Let's jump back into the meat and potatoes. So we talked about the niche. We talked about your revenue. So what is, I mean, what's your long game for this business? Talk to me, Andy, about what your long game is. I had, I read a post on LinkedIn or I saw maybe a video on LinkedIn where people were talking about the difference between, you know, growing a business as kind of a, a lifestyle business where you would have it for 20 years down the road. And other people like myself, when I first started the freight brokerage, my goal was to grow it, scale it and sell it and move on to another business. Cause that's my nature of being kind of a serial entrepreneur. What's your plan? What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, so, so I have similar thoughts. Uh, instead of just having a lifestyle business, that's great, but but it's really just a well-paid job, right? So if you're gonna take the time to create a business, I would rather, in my personal opinion, grow it, scale it, go as far as, as I can. Um, I like the agent model. I like the acquisition model. Obviously still very small, but you know, find a way. Like when you're in real estate, you're like buying houses with OPM, other people's money. Well, find a, a, a larger broker that wants to partner up and is interested in acquisitions and buy brokers together. That way, you know, you just grew to 50 million overnight and you're, you know, finding different ways and different partnerships. But but yeah, basically just growing it and, and taking care of uh, the team. Yeah. So you're looking to scale, not necessarily an exit, but you definitely want to scale. So you're not looking at this as just a way for you to make a couple hundred grand a year working from home right. and just having that lifestyle business, which there's nothing wrong with that, right? I know a no. lot of past students who have done that. You're looking to really ramp it up where you can do 20, 30, 40, $50 million a year in revenue, right? Yeah, or more. Yeah. Or more, right, or more. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. All right, so... Let's talk a little bit about how you got your first customer. Now, I know you had some contacts there, right? Yeah. As okay. do a lot of people that are listening to this now, right? They have contacts. Maybe they're a driver and they've met shipping managers on the dock or, you know, maybe they, whatever the case, maybe they were a shipping manager and they now have contacts in the industry or whatever. Um, talk to us about how did you approach those customers? How do you approach those contacts that you had in the past, but there's been a big gap since you last spoke to them? Do you recall that? I know it's been a while since you went through that drill, but talk to us. Yeah, no, it's been about four years, uh, but but definitely anytime you approach someone, whether it's new or old, you just want to make it extremely easy for them, right? So if I'm calling an old customer, obviously reconnect the dots, get, get the rapport back going and you know just get an update on what they've been doing and, and talk about them ask questions about them, right? Like the number one thing in sales is talk about them. That's the that's the one thing you wanna uh, do is because not only are you allowing them to talk about themselves, which everyone likes, but you're actually figuring out what they need. You know, it's solution-based selling, right? So what, selling one-on-one, but it's also like, okay, if I'm gonna do this load and I have to pay a carrier $1,500 and the customer wants to pay me $1,500 for the first load, yes, do it, right? Like. Like you just want to start because what you're building is habit. You want the habit. You want to be top of mind. You want to be the first brokerage, the first carrier they think of, right? When, when you're calling. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So sometimes in order to get your foot in the door, it can make sense to do what's kind of a loss leader, right? Or something where you're breaking even, right? Yeah. Uh, because again, it's building that habit. The friction that you feel during the sales process before you move the first load is significant. Right. But once you move that first load, it's like that rock. It's like that boulder that's sitting on the ground and is weighs a thousand pounds and you're pushing it and pushing it and you can't get the damn thing to move. But then you move the first load and that's like the first revolution in that boulder. So it creates a little bit of momentum, right? Especially when you deliver it on time with no problems, right? So now all of a sudden you become viable, right? You become viable to them. And now all of a sudden they can, there's that level of trust where, yeah, they're not going to just have an open checkbook. They're still going to keep vetting you. But at the same time, um, you're going to find that the resistance and the friction goes way, way down. So sometimes a loss leader can make a lot of sense. Now you may have to, you know, it's going to be hard to necessarily raise the prices on that. Maybe you can buy it a little cheaper and make a little bit of money, but you got to sure. think about land and expand, right? So you landed with one lane in that shipper. Now it's your job to expand. That's a great point. So RFPs, like as a, as a broker, as a small broker currently, like like RFPs, they're a necessary evil for me, 
right? Because I'm competing against everybody in the world. And yeah. like the good RFPs, they tell you what where you need to be. Like, okay, you want to be here, but then there's only like so many rebuttals and you don't know what the latest rebuttals are. But, but to your point, the one strategy is, is to win a lane no matter what it takes. And hopefully it's a low volume lane, right? That way you're in the door and then you can go and, and inquire every week or every even day about spot free. You can do that with top 500, you know, top 1000 companies, right? So that's one strategy. But to your, you mentioned something about prospecting. If you have a thousand customers, you know, there's always attrition and always keep prospecting because you know you never know what's going to happen and if you do everything perfectly as some of you brokers already know the truck can break down right and, and yeah yeah it just it's something not here. only that not only that your contact that you've been working with who trusts you can get promoted can get demoted can get fired can pass yeah. away all of those things have happened to me with shippers that I've done business with every right. single one of them, including unfortunately one that I was very close with and did a lot of business with literally all of a sudden passing away from a heart attack. And then all of a sudden your entire business is now in jeopardy. And not only, not only did you lose a friend and a customer, but now all that is up in the air, right? Cause you don't know if the next person that comes in is going to, is going to feel the same way about you as the last person did. And they probably won't. So sometimes you do everything perfect and it's out of your control. Now that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. So yeah. So you yeah. got to keep prospecting. You have to keep a pipeline. Now, it doesn't have to be nearly as robust as when you first started to get your first 10 or 20 customers, but you've got to set aside dedicated time to prospect. You've got to follow up. You've got to continue to do the things that got you to the dance, right? You can't, you can't just say, Hey, I've made it. And I got, I can stop prospecting now and spend all my time on my customers because that's a death sentence. Yeah. It's kind of a reframe too. Like, cause you can say, well, okay, well I've got to cover freight this this morning. So I only have this afternoon to prospect. So you can kind of reframe and be like, I only have these two hours to prospect today. That's it. So, right. so you make you know, the most of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because a lot of people, when they're focused, can get just as much done in two hours with their focus as when in six or eight hours when they're not. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. No, I love that. All right, cool. So let's talk about if you are prospecting now, you've kind of, you've exhausted your warm market, the people that you had relationships with that, that mm -hmm. probably went very, very quickly within the first few months. You were like, oh boy, who am I going to call now? Yeah. And then you had to start doing cold outreach to people that you didn't know. Talk to us a little bit about your process, maybe how you prospect for shippers now when they're in a cold market, maybe they're not warm or referral or you know, they're not part of your current delivery or pickup locations from your existing customers, but they're truly cold, whether they be on LinkedIn or just something you found yeah. out. So I do kind of a, a variety, right? So yep. there's video messages on LinkedIn, which have a, so far, and I've done maybe not that much, a couple hundred messages. I would bet a 20% response rate, which is insane. Okay. Mm. So, I mean, 20%, and, and the, um, this is everything from the COO or CEO all the way down to the shipping manager, right? That reaching out to you. So video, LinkedIn, I think Dennis, you did a, an episode recently on that. Like that's really, really a, a key nugget. Um, Have you, were you doing it prior to the, prior to that training I did on it? It was so funny, maybe three weeks. Oh my God, I love it. I love it, yeah. Listen guys, you gotta understand, I preach being different and I can tell you right now, nobody is using video to prospect. Yeah. Nobody. And, and it's, and like cold calling is, is useful, but not efficient. Right. So it's like, it, it just for peace of mind, for sanity, no one wants to cold call 200 calls a day. Right. So if you yeah. can mix it up 50 and 50 or a hundred and a hundred, you know, whatever your hours are, 
So, you know, mix it up so you can stay sane and you can just have fun, you know, doing it. Um, that's what I suggest. Going, joining, joining associations. So we joined four associations this year. It's going out there, if you can financially, to the conventions. But what I'm learning quickly is don't go unless, or think twice, if, unless you have meetings preset, right? So typically when you sign up for an association, they give you a member list, right? And sometimes they give you the attendee list, list of, the, of the upcoming event, you know, who's registered, who sponsors. So you can start to reach out to them, calling, emailing, video messaging, and start to get those meetings. And that way it's a productive meeting in person. And you don't have to join the largest ones. Sometimes the smaller ones are better because they're more mom and pop type companies. And there's nothing better than a mom and pop shipper. There's low decision-making, fast decision-making. It's extremely uh, efficient and enjoyable, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, and, and the thing is, is this here that what I want to talk about the video messaging first, the video messaging is, this is nothing more than a different form of cold outreach. You still don't know that person. So it's cold outreach. And even though it's on LinkedIn it may be a little warmer because they've seen your profile and they've done a connection with you. So there's a little bit of warmth there. The thing is, is this, it's about the messaging, just like on a cold call, you know, you've got to have a hook, right? You've got to figure out a way to be different. So whether you're doing it over the phone or you're doing it face-to-face -face or you're doing it through video, it still has to be good messaging, right? You still have to stand out. It can't just, you know, just, there's an, an old adage and it might not be appropriate, but just because you pour syrup on shit doesn't make it pancakes, right? Just because you go to video messaging doesn't mean that every, that all the shippers are going to start coming to you. It's all about your messaging. It's all about your hook. It's all about your delivery. So it takes a little bit of practice, but I like what Andy said about breaking it up, you know, using some, using LinkedIn and maybe using some email and using face-to-face -face and using some, you know, some cold calls. Mm -hmm. I preach a multi-channel outreach strategy and I'm a big believer in having a defined sales cadence where day one, you do this call and day two, you do this action and day three, you do this action and day four, you do this action. And what happens is cumulatively, it's that old adage, right? Normally one plus one equals two, but in this case, one plus one equals three. And that's that cadence that you have. That's that multi-touch point outreach strategy. And it makes a huge difference in the number of contacts that you can make and the quality of the conversations that you have. So I mean, I'm a big believer in that it's, it, it's coming it's coming full circle why you're doing so well and why things are continuing to grow for you even during a, a downturn in the freight market. So um, anything else you want to add about the sales side? I mean, whether it be in prospecting or anything uh, around there that maybe you've learned since post TQL in your own business that has kind of made a huge difference. Yeah. And I joke a lot about TQL, but I, I learned a lot there. Like I've yeah. cut my teeth. I mean, learned a, a lot, right? So, you know, it's, it's where I learned and I, I thank them for my experience. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned like having a, a cadence and sticking to that. And, and I, I'm a firm believer of that as well. Like, you know, I plan my day. I don't let my day plan me, right? So in the, in the morning, I do the most impactful, influential things I can do. So whether that's uh, um, hosting a podcast episode, right? We're taking advantage of leverage and media, right? Or hitting uh, a referral source because I'm not hitting one shipper, I'm hitting multiple people, right? And then in the afternoons, that's when I, that's, that's prospecting time. So it's just making sure you have a plan and sticking to it because if you just have a blank outlook calendar or another system you use to organize yourself and there's nothing on it and you're just starting out, you can get a little discouraged. So it's like have, have a plan and then work the plan. Yeah, I'm a big believer in 
what I call batching, yeah. right? And time blocking. So when you can batch, you know, two hours of time to prospect, it's way more impactful than doing 10 calls and then going and doing something else and then doing five calls and then going and doing something else and then doing 15 calls and going and doing something else because you get a certain amount of momentum, right? And you get a certain amount of energy because let's face it, prospecting Mm -hmm. draws and pulls a lot of energy out of you, right? So you have to be focused. So I'm a big believer. If you're going to, if you got a short amount of time to prospect, say you got two hours in a day, for most of you startups, you should be spending eight hours a day prospecting, right? Because you really don't have any customers to be covering freight for. But if you got a small amount of time to be prospecting, you really got to time block that. And then your other activities too, whether that be follow-up board quotes or whether that be whatever you're doing on on the other side, Uh, in the other parts of your day, I'm a big believer in time blocking. So it sounds to me like you are as well. You know, you try to stay very organized. And again, like anything else, fires happen, things happen, and we have to be fluid, right? A truck breaks down and whatever, something happens, we got to recover a load. Yeah, that comes first. Customer success comes first and then we prospect, but try to schedule it into your day. And if you do, you'll find you'll build that muscle, you'll build that habit, which will inherently build your pipeline and build your business. So yeah. All right, and, go ahead, anything else? Uh, oh yeah, two things. So, and as you grow, as soon as someone can do what you're doing 75% as good as you're doing it, delegate it because it'll free you up so you can continue on your core competency, which is probably selling. Yep, 100%. So, That's where a lot of brokers, this is where a lot of brokers fall down, phase one to phase two of the business, right? Yeah. You know, when it's just them, it's, you know, they get capped out and they're like, oh, I don't have time to prospect because I'm too busy covering loads. You know, that's a high quality problem, but it's still a problem mm-hmm. because yeah. you're going to, if if you don't prospect, your business is going to go down over time. It's just a mathematical certainty that over a period of time, your business is going to go down eventually unless you're prospecting. So when you don't have time to prospect, that's a telltale time that it's time for you to hire somebody to do dispatching and rate confirmations and following up on mm-hmm. PODs and all those basic things that you could teach somebody in an hour, right? So Absolutely. that you can spend time prospecting. I love it. Perfect. All right, cool. A couple things and then we're going to wrap up. So along the way here, I know every startup has some of those some of those situations, those difficult situations where they were learning moments and lessons that were hard fought and very expensive. Talk to us a little bit about maybe the the one that sticks out in your mind, the biggest lesson that you've learned, or maybe the mistake you made that kind of really reinforced the fact of how you had to change and approach the business to really scale it to the goals that you're looking for. Yeah. So one that sticks out was I met another broker and we decided to co-broker together. And this was not double brokering, this was co-brokering. So yep. he, he managed the shipper, I managed the trucks. You know, the loads went great, but when it came time to pay, it was a little like crickets. It was about $24,000 worth. And I did get paid eventually, but I had to, you know, use Baxter, Bill Baxter and Bailey, uh, the collection agency. And within a year and a half, I got paid. So if you cost you probably, probably cost you 20, 20, 30 percent. Yeah. It, it, well, I think it was 10, but, but yeah, but, but yeah, okay. I mean, it was basically, I didn't, I didn't make anything on the business. Right. So it was, it was, it was a lesson learned and I'm not unhappy that I had to go through that because I, I learned and I, and I don't know if I would do it again, but, I, but it's more of just like, okay, I wanted to, you know, cause I've heard about, you know, that going well and stuff like that. So it's not, I'm not saying don't do it, just vet those co-brokers, you know, diligently and, and don't be in a rush to get into a relationship with them. And, you know, it can be hard, right? Because 
when freight's down, you can be like, oh man, you've got these five loads for this week and here they are, you know? So a little warning about well, that. I think, I think that's valuable. I tell everybody, listen, co-brokering can be great, but I do not recommend you build your business upon that um, foundation, right? You need to have your own shippers, shipper direct, and you need to have your own carriers, carry direct, depending on which side, you know, sometimes you're on the co-broker side, you're on the shipper side or the carrier side, but ultimately the foundation of your business should be your own carriers and your own shippers. But again, I've had successful co-broker relationships and I've had unsuccessful ones. Sounds to me like you had a, you one that started out successfully, but then even though the shippers probably paid the bills, the broker misappropriated the funds or it was just playing hardball and trying to stick all that in his pocket because he knew you probably already paid the carriers. So, you know, it was one of those deals where, you know, vetting and taking your time and, and not rushing into something would have really paid off because it's that old adage, right? In the freight business, we're talking low margin, no deals better than a bad deal because you can be out of pocket and losing 20 grand. If you rush into something, you got to vet your shippers, right? you got to vet your shippers. There, In retrospect, in hindsight, there were some signs that we should have kind of paid attention to, but we maybe rushed in a little bit because of the opportunity and, you know, and it, and it cost us. Now, there's ways to mitigate that with, you know, with receivables insurance and things of that nature. And right. as a startup, you really don't need to worry a whole lot about that because it's not really going to apply to you. But as you get a little bit bigger, that may be something you may even want to take a look at if it's not something you've already, you know, uh, vetted out. Yeah, yeah. We, I'm not using it now, but I, I, I am aware of it, and um, and I use Ansonia credit reporting yep. to for every shipper. So it's like it used to be ten, now inflation is eighteen bucks per shipper, and you know it's like okay, nothing, right? As you vet to make sure your bills are going to be paid. You know, it, it's just par for the course, basically. No shippers onboarded without an Ansonia credit report. Yep, you got to um, make sure you do yeah. your due diligence. So. All right, cool. Listen, any final thoughts you want to add or anything you, any inspiration you want to share with the audience? And then we're going to jump into some live Q&A. Sure. Uh, I would say what we didn't talk about carriers, right? And oh, sure. everyone, all the brokers know you got to take care of your carriers. And right now, like you're only getting paid so much from the shipper. And like, if you can pay the, the guy, you know, an extra hundred bucks or 50 bucks on that load, because yeah, you'll make less on that load, but it's just a reminder that he's going to be there for you when it gets tight and he might go to an, another area of the country where you have another uh, customer that will do it for a better rate than what the market is. You know, it, it's just, it all, it never, it never hurts. I, I, every year I go down to carriers and drop off pizza and just a little something, a little lunch, maybe like a little Outback steakhouse, you know, just, you know, for the good ones. And it, it just take care of them. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two is get a coach. Get a coach, get a coach, get a coach. Because you don't want to just be a broker. You want to be one of the better brokers, one of the best brokers, right? And yep. learn from others, people's mistakes. Yeah, perfect. Listen, you you mentioned something really, really important there. And that is, I summarize it up into three words. Relationships over transactions. Freight brokers have a tendency to be very transactional. What, mm -hmm. what have you done for me lately? And that's on both sides, the shipper and the carrier side. But when you focus on relationships and you focus on that retention of carriers, like we talked about the retention of shippers, your business can skyrocket because the challenge is if you got to go to the load board and find a new carrier for every load, number one, uh, it's not very predictable or sustainable. Right. And number two, it's miserable, right? Because you don't yeah. know what you're going to get, right? I mean, you can vet that guy till he's blue in the face, but if he decides that for whatever reason, he's not going to pick up your load on time, you don't have any, you have very little control over that. So by, if you right. find somebody you trust and it does a great job and you have a relationship with retain that carrier to the absolute best of your ability, your goal is to have a core group of carriers 
of let's mm-hmm. call it maybe a hundred or 200 carriers that you're using every day versus, you know, bringing on 10 or 20 new carriers every day, right? So you want to retain those. That I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I know we got off on a tangent talking about shippers and prospecting and, and all that, but the carrier side, I can't, can't say enough about treating your carriers just as good, if not better than you treat your shippers, because you would really have as a broker, you really have two stakeholders, right? You got the carrier uh-huh. and the shipper side. And then once you get employees, now you got three stakeholders, right? Because now you got to, you got to take care of them too. So listen, um, Andy, I really appreciate you being here. Listen, I know, tell us, tell us how people can connect with you. I know you're looking to add, maybe add some agents shortly down the road here. Tell people how they can reach out to you, connect with you. And uh, who knows, maybe someone on here will join the, the bar transportation team down the road. Yeah, that'd be great. So, uh, so the, the email is just Andy, A-N-D-Y at bartrans.com. So that's, that's my email. You can also you know, reach out to Maria at dispatch at bartrans.com. Um, we have three podcasts. We have Carrier Conversations. We have Food and Beverage Leaders. And we have Truck Broker Talks. We just launched um, last month. That's got one episode so far. So just launched. But uh, and yeah, you're also on LinkedIn. I'm also on LinkedIn. Yes. Andy Barr on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for being here. Truly appreciate it. Congratulations on all your success. After this conversation, I now know why you've been able to continue to thrive even in, even in a challenging market. And listen, for those of you that are curious about becoming a freight broker or a freight agent, right? Check out freightbrokerbootcamp.com. Trained over 10,000 students, been in, had this over a decade. They've personally done over $200 million as a freight broker. And we offer a 60-day, 100% unconditional money-back guarantee. So you can check that out at freightbrokerbootcamp.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm humbled that you allowed me to be a part of your day. Now subscribe to the podcast so we can do this more often. And for those of you that take the next 15 to 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And who knows, maybe we'll give you a shout out on a future episode.